Hello and welcome to Tech, the Olympus NDT podcast. My name is Emily Peloquin and I want to thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is all about NDT and about the incredible people that work in our industry. I've been in this industry for just over a decade now, and I'm still amazed by the incredible people that I get to work with and how tightly connected this community is. On this show, I have the chance to welcome experts from the field to chat about everything and anything, from challenging applications to new trends and even tips and tricks on how to improve your NDT game. I hope you'll enjoy the unique insight that our guests are sharing with us and that it will inspire others to also want to help in making this world a safer place. Today, I have the true honor to have Mr. Chuck Hillier on our show. The list is long to even start describing what Mr. Hillier has done for this industry. He was an important contributor to ASNT since the early 70s, and he's pretty much the reason why we have official training in NDT today. He is the founder of Hellier NDT and is actively working today as the vice president at NDT Classroom. If you're a returning listener, you most likely heard his name being mentioned a few times on this show by our guests who considered him to be their mentor. So without any further ado, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Chuck Hellier. Chuck Hellier, thank you. It's an, an honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Uh, Emily, it's an honor for me to be able to participate this way. So since NDT is such a niche industry, I usually, I like to ask my guests how they stumble across NDT. But if I may, I would like to ask you first, when did you stumble across NDT? Okay, well, I I like that expression, stumble, because that's exactly how I got into NDT. Uh, I was uh, out of high school, going to college at night and raising a family, and I had a job in a, in a James, Jones and Lachlan Steel Company. It was a very tough job in Philadelphia, and uh, putting it all together it was very difficult. So I happened to talk to a friend of mine who happened to go to the same church that I did, and I told him about it, and he said, well, you ought to come to work at the company where I work, and uh, I think you'd uh, enjoy it much more. So, what, what was that company, if I can ask? Yeah, the company uh-huh. was Bud Company, B-U-D-D. It was okay. a very well-known company. They built um, um, rail diesel cars, and they got into aerospace, and... And anyway, he told me when I went for my interview to tell them that I was interested in in photography, which I was, but not to any great extent. So during the interview, I mentioned that he, by the way, he was an x-ray technician there and he was wanted to get me into the x-ray department. So when I told her I was interested in uh, photography, I think my friend had already talked to her. She said, well, how would you like to be an x-ray technician? And I, I said to myself, what's an x-ray technician? But do <laughs> Anyway, uh, I accepted the job, and one week later, I was an x-ray technician. Now, to show you how far back this was, Emily, this was before the days of certification. 
you know, you could, it was more like learn on the job as you're doing it. So to make wow. a long story short, I took the job and I immediately became very excited about what I was doing. Here, I was able to look inside of metals and find imperfections that may cause a part to fail and it may cause accidents. And I was really uh, excited about the whole concept of non-destructive testing. So I took the job and interesting when I uh, really got into it, of course they put me on third shift after I learned how to take x-rays. And I worked on a, a vessel, a stainless steel double-walled vessel uh, that was huge. It was probably 15, 20 feet in diameter. I didn't know what, I, what, what it was for, but I found out later that that double-walled cylinder was a prototype for the, for the nuclear reactor for aerospace, for planes. And of course, oh wow! It never took off the, not, never got off the ground. I guess the concern was about a plane crashing with a, a nuclear reactor and spreading radioactivity mm -hmm. and so on. So that I would think so too. <laughs> yeah, I I found this out later, and I said, wow, I, you know, I didn't realize uh, how important that uh, that part was. But in any event, I enjoyed that and. Uh, uh, job opened up and, and now let me see I, you asked me when that was mm -hmm. back in 1958 before wow. you were born yeah it was a long time ago yes <laughs> but from there 50, and before NDT was what it is today yeah it was 58 50 no 56 I think it was and then I found out uh, and I'm not too sure how, that there was a job opening at another company which was closer to me, uh, and the name of the company was um, SPS. It stood for Standard Press Steel at that time, and they were doing aerospace parts, and the, they had just gotten into um, a nuclear reactor uh, program for the Naval Nuclear uh, Program. Mm -hmm. And so I went and... Uh, because I had the x-ray experience, I immediately started out as a supervisor of the inspection department and the NDT. It was a relatively new, uh, new department. And that was really where I got hooked on NDT because it used more than radiography. It used uh, magnetic particle and penetrant and a little bit of eddy current. So I had a wonderful experience there, and I, I worked there. I, they sent me to all the courses that I could take, and there weren't too many out there on non-destructive testing at, at the that time. time. Yeah. So they sent me to Ma Magnaflux School, <laughs> it was called. Uh, Picker X-ray had a, had a school, a one-week school on radiation and radiography. and But uh, the one course that I really enjoyed was a two-week summer course that Ohio State was offering. And of course, that was the first time I met uh, Dr. McMaster. He was the instructor there. And uh, boy, that really, that just sealed my fate. I was totally hooked on uh, NDT. He was such a motivator. And I 
never remembered anyone else who could speak and teach a class without looking at any notes. And so my, one of my goals in life was to be able to do the same thing. I never quite achieved it. But I really enjoyed that, uh, that, that company. And uh, I remember one day looking in the newspaper and seeing that, and I think this was in 1962-63, there was an advertisement there for an NDT specialist at Electric Boat. Uh, the yep. company that built nuclear power subs and in Groton, Connecticut. I thought, wow, this sounds like it may be another challenge. So I went to Electric Boat. I tried to set up an interview when they were in the Philadelphia area, and they just, no, come on right up to Groton. I went up to Groton, and a month later, I started as a supervisor of NDT Engineering. And uh, that was another great time in my life where I learned a lot, I traveled, uh, I was involved with uh, doing uh, um, client, uh, not client, but uh, supplier audits, and uh, I had a wonderful uh, group of engineers, and uh, this was right at the time, uh, I don't know whether you remember or not, but this was right around the time when the, when the, uh, tri the uh, Nautilus it was the uh, submarine that that was lost. It wasn't. Oh, the okay. Yeah, it wasn't the Nautilus. Anyway, uh, and that really caused a great deal of interest in NDT, and mm. we. So something failed, and they they lost track of a submarine. Is that what happened? That's exactly right. What happened, and uh, the silver braze joints mm. uh, failed, and that's what caused the uh, the sub to. To, to be lost, a lot of people lost their lives. Mm. Anyway, the company, oh, the, the department that I had, which was, uh, I think we had six people and it grew to a, over 35. And it was interesting because uh, some of the new people that we hired became very involved with NDT. And in fact, uh, one of them that I remember went on to become a president of, of uh, ASNT. So it was it was a great opportunity. I traveled at, uh, very enriching from the standpoint of uh, gaining more knowledge and I was still going to school at night. Right. Then um, I had a wonderful opportunity to join automation industries. Now this was in the late 60s and uh, okay. I wanted to get in to get to learn more and the job offer was very good. So I took the job with automation industries also known as Sperry Products. They manufactured yes. all kinds of NDT uh, uh, products and instruments and so on. And uh, then, uh, you know, I enjoyed it so much, I decided, in fact, a friend of mine talked to me about uh, starting my own business, which I did. And so in uh, 19, I think it was uh, uh, 72 or 73, I started my first company and named it after the comp the uh, department at Electric Boat. I called it the NDT Engineering Company. Okay. And uh, yes. just uh, really stepped out on faith because uh, you know it was not a good time to start a business, but it was uh, just me and uh, one other person that worked for me and, and a 
secretary. Well, I guess you'd have to call her administrative assistant now. And we just started, and uh, <laughs> I enjoyed uh, the training so much that uh, we actually started offering training courses in a little town near the Connecticut River. Uh, the company, the name of the town was Deep River, Deep River, Connecticut. Never forget it. Okay. And uh, then from there on, it grew a little bit. We started doing field services as well as training. And in 19, uh, let's see, it was um, 1977, 1978, I think, uh, the Hartford Steam Boiler Inspection and Insurance acquired my company. And I became general manager, worked with them for uh, five, six years. And then I decided I liked it a lot better rather than working for an insurance company. I liked it better working on my own. And then that's when I started Hellier, Hellier NDT. And uh, when I started it, it was, I started it on a dime. You know, we didn't have any money. But uh, uh, the key was to hire uh, the right people. And I was very, uh, very concerned about getting the right people to work with me, and I did. I had a wonderful staff. We started in Connecticut, and we ended up with uh, three additional training locations. One was in Houston, which is still functional. Mm -hmm. Another one right. was in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, then we ended up getting one up in, the, in Alaska. So we had four training centers, and the Alaska one, of course, supported the, uh, all of the, the pipeline work and so on. Oh, yeah. Okay. So in just three years, uh, they, tell, they told me that it had grown to be the, uh, the leading NDT uh, training company in the U.S. I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but uh, it was a very busy and very growing company. And uh, then in 1990, uh, let me see now, I got to try to remember, 1990, no, I'm sorry, um, not good on dates. I think it was... Uh, <laughs> There's many of them. <laughs> I started in 86. And yeah, it was, 90, it was 1998. Uh, Longview Inspection, which is now known as Acuron, came mm -hmm. along and uh, offered me a, a good opportunity to join them. And I did. I mm -hmm. can tell you now from looking back that it was probably the biggest mistake I made in my life. I should have stayed. Oh, really? Yeah. Why was that? Well, uh, there were a lot of things that were said that uh, were never, uh, never came true. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it yeah. was, you know, just one example is they said, oh, when you become part of uh, Longview, well, we're going to keep all your employees. That was my main concern because they were so dedicated. And... They, that didn't happen. They started laying people off and eventually turned it into a, an organization where um, not many people are full-time employees. They use a lot of uh, contract people mm -hmm. and totally opposed to that. You don't get the same kind of dedication. You don't get the same kind of effort or work ethics out of people that just come and do the job and go home. Tony, anyway, with that said, mm -hmm. it's, it's a mistake, and I don't mind uh, admitting it. But anyway, uh, 
uh, we stayed stayed with uh, Acheron uh, until 2010, and uh, I decided at that time that uh, I had enough of big companies, so I started uh, back on my own, joining forces with Jim Treat. Now Jim Treat happened to be the CEO of Acheron, and he retired, and so I left uh, Hellier. And the two of us joined together and we started a company called The Summit Group. And we had no intention of doing anything other than having fun. We uh, <laughs> taught courses, we did management training, which was uh, just so much fun. We had, we taught literally thousands of people who were involved with NDT and would uh, be potential candidates to become a part of management, but didn't know how to step mm, yeah. over into the management area. So it was it okay. was great, we had a lot of fun. Anyway, I'm going on and on, and uh, I think- That's great. And a year after Jim and I started uh, the Summit Group, uh, I became uh, introduced to a young man who was interested, worked for a company that wanted to get into online training and mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that's a great idea. So that's how we got into online training and we started NDT Classroom in 2011. So that's... Uh, yeah, I was about to say, it's, it's incredible that you're, you're still involved in training today. And so I guess my question is, you know, why, why training over inspection? What got you interested into continuing to train people? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I guess one of the things that motivated me was that when I first got into NDT, I wanted so much to learn more, but there was hardly anything available. There were just a few training that's courses right. that I took, but there were no real good solid um, uh, books or reference materials that uh, mm -hmm. a person could learn on their own. And so, uh, plus I guess the other major factor was that once I got involved with training, uh, I got hooked on it. I, I saw the opportunity to help people find uh, careers and to help them grow and become successful in a technology that I had a lot of faith in. I, I really believed that it was mm -hmm. gonna be growing and of course it has beyond beyond my expectation. So that, I sort of got hooked on it and uh, decided, and again, Dr. McMaster was a big motivator. I, I wanted so much to be like him and uh, never never quite reached it. He was just exceptional. Oh, that's very, very interesting. It, it happened also to know that uh, you're uh, the first one who came up with the training via uh, VHS uh, in the 80s, I believe, which is really the, the predecessor to all the training videos and online content that we see right now. So it was really ahead of its time. And so what was the goal back then when you came up with that concept? Yeah, well, um, I had been teaching courses for the American Society for Metals out at Metals Park. And it was a one week mm -hmm. course. And we used a Actually, it was a correspondence course, an NDT correspondence course oh. when they had them. Okay. And uh, I wrote a chapter and other 
people that I got involved with uh, wrote chapters. So I think there was like 10 chapters for the different methods, maybe 11 or 12. But anyway, we used that to teach the um, introduction to NDT course at ASM. And then ASNT mm -hmm. found out about it and they joined forces with ASM and sponsored uh, the same kind of one week course in Columbus. So that was way back in the, uh, oh yeah, in the 80s, just as you mentioned. So they actually, ASM actually came and asked me if uh, I would be willing to be the instructor for a videotape training program. And of course I, I wouldn't ever turn down an opportunity like that. So we developed a, a 10 videotape training program which was pretty much in line with the 10 correspondence course chapters. So we had the videotape oh, training for each okay. method plus the uh, correspondence course to use as a reference material. And oh my Emily, they sold a bunch of them. <laughs> they, uh, I bet, oh wow, I would love to put, to put my hands on one of those, <laughs> that oh, would be so well, interesting. You, no you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't recognize me. I had dark hair at that time. <laughs> But I, I remember being in uh, Korea one time uh, for, I don't think, some consulting thing. And they told me that they were selling these uh, courses all over the place. Here they had bought one set and then they made copies and... Oh, no. Yeah, no copyright uh, concerns no. at all. Yeah, so the, there were some people sort of knew me in Korea, at least in the NDT area. And then after that, uh, I actually developed my own uh, on material, I think it was, we called it materials assurance, but anyway, we came up with a two series on penetrant, a two video, three videotape on magnetic particle and two on eddy current. And, uh, you know, we sold a, a bunch of them. And again, that was, you know, way before it was even considered, uh, you know, a good way to, a good approach to training. Right. Yeah. Now it's it's much more um, common uh, to see uh, online videos or any other type of content like that. But uh, at the time, it was uh, I'm sure uh, very revolutionary. It it was. I didn't know it at the time, but uh, really there wasn't much like that out there at all. So it was uh, it was great. We uh, sold a lot of them. And never got rich. You know, one thing I found is that you never get rich on training. But there's a lot more to life than just being, becoming wealthy, and that is being satisfied with what you're doing. And, and I think the other motivator, as I mentioned, was the fact that I believed that I was helping people to, to find a way through life, you know, with a good job, good paying job. And I think for the most part, uh, uh, that has happened. Definitely, and we had a lot of people on the show who mentioned your name when, when it comes when I ask about their mentors, and so uh, that's definitely a good proof right there that you influenced a lot of careers. Yeah, that's good to know. And there's there's also a lot of people who know you by your books, the Handbook of Non-Destructive Evaluation. You have edition one, two, and three, uh, that covers everything from understanding different discontinuities to all the major NDT methods. So, how did these books uh, came to to fruition? Well, it actually it was really McGraw Hill that came to me uh, back. 
at the time when we were going through the acquisition with Acuron, and uh, mm. I met one of the editors that were just very impressed with the company and with the people, and he said, we, we'd really like you to, to do the, uh, a handbook on non-destructive, they call it non-destructive evaluation. And I said, you know, I would really love to do it, but because we needed something like that for, uh, we needed a comprehensive book that could be a reference for like beginners getting into NDT. Yes, so I said, yeah, we studied it in school. Yeah, it, it, was, it was great. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, I, I gave him the name of uh, the, the uh, man from uh, McGraw Hill, uh, names of other people that I thought would be, you know, better than me to put it together. And uh, he actually came back in three or four months and said, Chuck, you know, we've looked at everything and we really believe that you're the one uh, that we that we want to have writing this. So uh-huh. yeah. anyway, I, I said, it's gonna take a while. So the first edition actually took uh, between three and four years by the time it was all done. And I have to admit, I got help from some very, very good people. Uh, mm-hmm. George Quinn helped me with the Eddie Current Court and just a lot of other um, real top-notch people that helped. So in any event, um, that's how the first edition came out. And Emily, I'll never forget the day that the box came with the first 10 copies. It was like, oh, oh my goodness, I'll tell you, I still get goosebumps So much work about put it. into those. Yeah, a lot of work, yeah. You know, one thing I'll never forget, I, I can't tell anyone, unless they've done it themselves, how much work went into it. Day and night and getting help with people. And uh, after all that work, I think the first edition was like, I don't know, 600 pages. Two weeks after wow. it was released, I got a call from a friend from the West Coast and said, Chuck, I just want you to know, uh, I like your handbook, but there's two mistakes in it. All that, oh, no. and he found <laughs> the course. two errors, and it was in a couple of equations, something was something that I didn't recheck. But anyway, then uh, several years, well, about seven years later, that came out in, uh, let me see, the first edition was in I think 2002, 2003, and then seven, eight years later, they they like to do new editions. So I did mm-hmm. that yeah. one, and then the latest one just came back, uh, came out, I think this year, the third edition. So it was a great learning experience for me because uh, every time I worked on a new edition, I found out all the wonderful new things that were happening with NDT, and had to learn a little bit about it so I could write about it in a meaningful way. Right. Yeah, because there's there's always advancement in technologies. It, it, it really never stops. So well, I'm sure we'll see much more editions too yeah, in I don't the know. future. You, you can do the fourth edition if you want. I think I'm going <laughs> to. I've had enough. <laughs> uh, and so if I can ask, why do you think you... You stuck with NDT for so long. What was the, 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 the kept you going for that long? Oh, my goodness. So many answers to that. Uh, 
I think because you know I'm, I'm sure you could have retired also by now I'm sure that uh, but you you still have projects you still have um, goals and, and and ambitions for for the future what do you think that is yeah it's uh, there's so many answers to that it's the satisfaction of knowing that you can influence people and oh, yeah. uh, the technology uh, My father was a very religious man, and I followed in his footsteps. And, you know, the idea of finding fault and trying to correct it is, uh, you know, it's religious. It's problems. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to correct them. And on top of it, the key is that it does make the world a safer place, as uh, ASMT yeah. says. So I guess the influencing of people was major for me to know that uh, I was able to help people uh, find a, a, a very satisfying uh, career and be able to, you know, succeed. Uh, I think that was probably the biggest motivator. Plus, I have to tell you one thing about NDT, and those of us that are in it will uh, understand this, you really get hooked on it. You really get into yeah. it to a point where, you know, it's part of your life. You know, you yeah. think about NDT all the time, and I can't say that everyone does. Uh, one of the biggest concerns that I have now is that of, well, you know, with the social media, you see lots of uh, comments and everything about NDT, but I, I would love to be able to live long enough to see NDT becoming more of a professional uh, job rather than just uh, uh, you know, some of these technicians that uh, sometimes it, it, it's very sad for me to read some of their comments and things where they're using vulgar language. And I would like to see even the trainee, the NDT trainee, become a, a proud person uh, mm -hmm. based on the fact of what they're doing with NDT. So I th I'd like to see the entire uh, profession uh, raised a bar where we can talk uh, uh, without, you know, having to use the slang language and so on. Uh, I, I, that really bothers me a lot because It is a proud profession, and, and we should all be able to uh, reflect that. So that's yes. one of the things that keeps me going. Is, And I have to also admit that uh, I don't think anyone has ever had a better job, better career than me. It, you know, God has blessed me with a job where I was able to travel, meet some of the best people uh, that I've ever uh, come in contact with, Um, it's always been interesting, not always uh, uh, the way I would like to see it, but always a challenge. So as long as I have uh, some health and I can still get around, I, I want to stay involved. I don't think I'll ever retire. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great for us to hear. That's for sure, because we certainly appreciate all the influence and uh, the, the positive things you brought to the community, because that's what it is. NDT truly is a, 
a community and not just, not just a job, as you mentioned. But I yeah, agree. I agree. Profession. Mm -hmm. I agree. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you for sharing uh, what you shared with us today. Um, again, thank you for what you contributed and that you still contribute to this uh, industry and this community. And um, I want to um, yeah, personally thank you for, for all your contribution. And uh, I am looking forward as well for our next chat. Well, I appreciate spending the time and uh, I hope I didn't talk too long. It just uh, <laughs> all the years that I've been involved with NDT, I have an awful lot to say. <laughs> If I went overboard, I uh, I apologize for that. But I thank you for giving me the opportunity. Oh, not at all. I appreciate the opportunity. It's great. I'm sure we could uh, could have kept going for three more episodes, yeah. really. We'll, we'll <laughs> And hopefully that, we'll get to do this again. We'll call that uh, volume two. Exactly. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> much more additions to come. Thank you so much, Jack Hellier, for your You're time. You're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. It's so inspiring to hear people who dedicated a huge part of their life to NDT. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it inspired you as well to make NDT not just your job, but your passion. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave us a comment or a review in whichever app you're listening from. And if you or somebody you know would like to be on this show, make sure to reach out at podcast at olympus.com. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in today and for however you are contributing to keep the world safer out there. See you next time.